Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. Welcome to Multicultural TV Talk, a Media Village podcast where we bring you interviews with talent and creatives from across entertainment, discovering their stories and how they are changing the face of stardom across media. As always, I am your host, Juan Ayala. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, let's get to talking. Today's guest is an actor of stage and screen that you've seen in Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, The Sandman, and here to talk with us all about their role on NBC's action-packed reboot, Quantum Leap. Please welcome Mason Alexander-Park. Mason, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. I thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so firstly, congrats on your full season pickup. 18 episodes. Uh, exciting, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like the it feels like the perfect amount. You know, I feel like yeah. 18 is exactly what we all would have wanted. So it's really right. it's really nice to, to get it. <laughs> yeah, trying those the days of 22 to 25 episode seasons is a thing of the past. 18 really is sort of like the <laughs> A great a great amount to do all at once and then have a nice break after but uh, so on the show you play uh the resident tech expert um sort of joining this wonderful group of people who've made their careers playing tech experts on all of these shows um of the past so uh, i'm sure for your audition there was lots of like tech jargon and things like that was that particularly challenging or was it sort of a breeze for you um, it's, it's, you know, it's really fun. I think the main challenge lies in, in the amount of time that we have to prepare the scripts because mm -hmm. often, especially because of the way that my character functions in the show and the way that, um, I sort of really get a lot of the exposition, especially the tech heavy exposition. That's the stuff that they can change like the night before to try to, you know, really help shape the show or that specific leap or that episode as best as they possibly can. Um, so they're often changing all of my dialogue like two days before we shoot it. Um, so I, I think the biggest challenge for me has been in learning how to really quickly um, adjust and really quickly memorize things in a way that I haven't had to before week to week, usually, you know, because we go through these periods where we're not shooting at all. And I'm like, oh, it's plenty of time for me to learn and read ahead. <laughs> and then I'm like, I, if I memorize this, none of this is going to be the same <laughs> by the time <laughs> I say it. What am I doing to myself? <laughs> yeah. You're at least aware, you know, like, oh, let me not get too, <laughs> let me not embed this too much in my brain because it will change. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to get too attached. Right. And uh, we are several episodes into the into this first season. So what are you most looking forward to for audiences to see with your character? Um, I'm really excited for us to get to a point where we're spending time with the characters in a way that sort of is supporting the leap or supporting the, the story that's happening with Ben and Addison, but gives them a point of view and kind of gives them their own personalized experience. And I think we have a few episodes that are coming up that will allow us to dig more into Nanrissa's character of Jen or, or you know, mine. And, uh, and I'm really looking forward to that because I think some of the best character work and stuff uh, that happens in television happens in those moments where mm -hmm. you kind of give really good actors an opportunity to sort of a little bit. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to some of those, uh, some of those moments. With these sort of um, procedural type of shows, it can feel a bit formulaic. So it is always exciting when they do get a chance to sort of spotlight one character who doesn't always get yeah. their chance. So it's always fun to see that sort of world building. And Lord knows there have been a bunch of backdoor pilots that have been made <laughs> with those episodes. But like, oh, maybe someone gets a spinoff and, you know, sort of expand the <laughs> universe from there. Um, but I'm curious, yeah. how similar would you say you are to your character, especially 
given how, uh, as we said before, how many tech experts are on all of these different types of procedural shows and TV dramas. So how similar would you say you are? I would say I'm decently similar. I, uh, you know, there was a, a period of time in my life where I wanted to work for the government. I was, you know, I, I wanted to do stuff very similar to this. So it's really cool to get a chance to fake do it <laughs> in, in a television format um, because I was always fascinated by by science and AI and and the kind of world that we're building uh, in Quantum Leap has been one that I've loved both as a viewer and also as, you know, a kid who was reading Einstein's books like way at a way too young of an age and kind of mm -hmm. learning about relativity and, and reading Stephen Hawking's works and stuff when I was, I, I think I started when I was maybe like seven or eight, like, you know, <laughs> diving into it. Yeah. I was a really strange kid. Um, so, so it's fun because this is a, um, it's a it's a part of my life that I haven't really had an opportunity yet to dive into in a professional context. I'm often non-binary characters and and trans people are we're we're not really seen in like nor quote unquote you know, normal jobs or uh, in in the real world. Quite often, it's like oh, those are trans characters in a period piece that are you know. Uh, that are that are obviously living in kind of this queer microcosm or or this is the trans character that's playing an idea or a concept or like mm -hmm. a fairy. And so it's really cool to get to do a show like this where I am a real individual, I'm a real person and uh, and someone that has a very important job that a lot of other non-binary and trans people have, you know, the amount of like scientists and, and AI experts, just people that work in fields similar to the concepts that we kind of touch on in Quantum Leap. You know, it's just, it's really, it's been really exciting to to make contact with a bunch of people that otherwise hadn't been represented quite in that way on television mm -hmm. before. And, and in a way that is kind of punk rock and because it's, it's so much more, I feel like, um, meaningful to represent marginalized people in the mm -hmm. most normalized of contexts because it like is the Trojan horse. It is kind of the way to, to, get people used to having these conversations in the day-to-day -day because like you, you everybody meets trans and non-binary people all the time and half the time they don't even know it or you don't you know you know that's the person that's checking you out at the grocery store or the, at the bank or whatever like it's amazing how integrated we are in society now and but like are still such a strange fringe like hot button topic that right. it doesn't it doesn't deserve that kind of focus and so to just like let me breathe and exist and be present on the show and just act and, and support the story i think is very radical and very cool um mm -hmm. and i'm i'm forward to what that does for you know future uh shows and future generations of like non-binary characters what would you say is uh, the earliest memory you have of a performance that made you feel represented for the first time when you were growing up one of the most important ones for me was I, I'll, I'll say two because I haven't done this in the interview, but it's John Cameron Mitchell and Hedwig. I remember mm -hmm. the like buying the DVD on eBay because it was the only way that I could watch the film um, when I was in high school and having it mailed to, you know, mailed to my house and like watching it and just falling deeply in love with it. 
I feel like that film, beyond being a remarkable film and uh, and a remarkable musical, like it was so eye-opening for me as a non-binary individual to kind of see someone struggling with just the entire concept of, of a binary system and a binary world and their body kind of being put in into these situations where, you know, they really were neither here nor there. And that was, um, that was a groundbreaking uh, film for me. So John's performance in that show, which then became one of my first big professional jobs was doing mm -hmm. the Broadway national tour of it. Um, and then John was in Sandman. So like, we've been, you know, friends for seven years now. And, and John means a, a lot to me as an, as an artist, but also just to my humanity and my mm -hmm. identity. And I, I'm very grateful for, you know, that, that show that Stephen and John kind of put together. Um, and then the other one would, uh, honestly, it would be Tim Curry as Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror, which yeah. I feel like is such a classic, you know, every, every queer person and, and non-queer people, you know, saw that role and was like, who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it makes you lean forward. And I think to see someone like Frankenfurter so openly sexualized in a way that was like, everybody kind of watched that film and liked it for some reason or another and liked that character for some reason or another. And that was that was important for me as a kid to kind of see it, even though, you know, Frank's obviously the villain of the of the thing. It was just really cool to to be able to go into a movie theater and watch all of these people rally behind this like very transgressive, you know, uh, kind of non-binary adjacent <laughs> cross-dressing alien <laughs> and people like eating it up as as pure entertainment was, was very important to me, too. And if you had this sort of a back to the future moment where you could go and give your 13 year old self some advice, um, mm. what would you say? And we're going to remove from that equation that it affects any timeline, anything. Folks always say, like, well, it's going to mess things up. Let's assume it won't. <laughs> okay. Assuming that it will not affect any timeline. I think that I would probably just want to remind myself that I would want to remind myself to have fun. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's really hard, you know, to be a, a, a queer individual in any period of time. Like I, it's never been easy for, you know, anyone, but yeah. um, there was a, a drought and there still kind of is We're finally coming out of it. But in terms of positive representation in media of, of specifically like gender non-conforming trans and non-binary individuals, you know, we're like in a very weird, moment in time where we've gone through this kind of decades of of villainizing this I, I identity that really is no one's business to kind of even be debating to begin with whereas like mm -hmm. I think of you know my cultures and my and my ancestry and like on the on all sides of of my heritage like there are links to pretty much every <laughs> culture that I that I've had anything to do with like having a, a massive history of gender nonconformity and of it being like a celebrated thing um and so it's really I I would want to remind or or tell yeah my younger self that like eventually think things come and go and that and that people will catch up again um it's just a matter of kind of everybody 
doing the work to to get rid of these very strange rules that everybody's placed on themselves for kind of no reason um yeah. and the, yeah it's it's kind of the it gets better answer but not so <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mason, again, congrats on, on such a great run on the show so far. And uh, I can't wait to see the rest of the season and, and for, of course, for taking the time to chat with us today. Of course. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you.